Okay, so we mentioned also an observation time, right? Uh, Acts 1.8, I think someone kind of quoted it. I don't know if it was Sherry. Um, and you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And now we are breaking into Acts chapter 8, and we're starting to see the message, the witness is being sent out of Jerusalem. So it's finally getting out of Jerusalem, and it's hitting into these areas of Judea and Samaria. And so we see Jesus' word. He said it. It's going to happen. And something I hope and pray that when we look at this little bit of a text, hopefully already by this far along in the book, something that is super-duper obvious and super-duper evident and very, very clear is that there is transforming power of the gospel of Christ. I hope that that's so obvious, but to the point where we actually start to marvel at it. I mean, remember, uh, you think of guys like a Peter, who was a fisherman, a coward, now being the primary preacher at Pentecost, proclaiming Christ boldly, rejoicing when thrown in prison. You think, you know, we look at, we're about to see a figure like, we just got introduced to Saul. And by chapter 9, we're going to see that crazy transforming power that this message did for this man. We see the crowds who shouted, crucify, you know? Perhaps now are the crowds that are being cut to the quick. They're hearing this message. They're hearing this gospel. They're hearing this word, this Christ proclaimed to them. And it really is. It's transforming people, individuals, but not just merely people, but even places. We're going to see tonight a whole city. You know, and that's something I think like, I mean, gosh, the, I think I love that even when Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, he's like, think of what you were when you were first called. You know, not many of you were wise, not many of you were this, not many of you were this. In the eyes of the world, I mean, like, we, we, I want us to, I hope and pray that as we walk through this, we really, especially in the book of Acts, we really start to find a real confidence in the gospel. And that it does, in fact, save people, change them, transform them, whole cities. And, and, and I think that's something that um, I hope the Holy Spirit kind of hits at home tonight because I wonder if at times perhaps we're not doing the work of an evangelist like Philip because perhaps maybe we just don't believe in the power of the gospel. You know, I think, um, I just think of these men, these, these apostles who were disciples. When, I think of when they were first called and Jesus was like, hey, follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I, I, I imagine them being like, fishers of men? Like, what is that? And then, like, just really coming from a place of like, you know, if you were to tell them, oh, in a few years, you know, you're going to be preaching before thousands, and you're going to be rejoicing being thrown in, in prison, and you're going to actually be unpacking the scrolls to the priest. I think they probably would have been like, yeah, right. If you were to tell Stephen before Christ, like, oh, you know, um, you're going to actually um, be one of the, the first martyrs, heroes of the faith, um, you know, and go down as, as one of those heroes. I, I don't know. I think Stephen might have been like, hmm. If, if you told Philip prior to Christ that, hey, you know what, guess what? You're going to actually be called to go do ministry in Samaria. I, will, I guarantee Philip would be like, no, not Samaria. And what is that ministry? I mean, it's shoot, if you were to ask me prior to Christ if I thought I would be where I'm at, who I, like, there's no way. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Like, if you were to ask any of these apostles, any of these men that we're studying, prior to Christ, if they would be doing what they're doing, and if they would be who they are, I, I guarantee, no way. Why? Because it's a supernatural work that's at work. 
And I like that in the observation someone pointed out, you know, um, I think it was over here, Hannah, she mentioned, you know, that great joy that was happening in the city. Was that of Philip? Or no, it was, it was of Christ. And so something I'm hoping that we'll see tonight is Philip in and out of season. They, these men, they sent it. They sent the gospel. And they really trusted in the power of the gospel to transform people and places. Um, and so I think of, you know, even, uh, I mean, just in this room right here, right now. Like if I were to ask you a few years ago, if someone were to come up to you and say, oh, you know what, you're going to be at a midweek Bible study all hungry and excited for the word. And you're going to use words, Dylan, like, um, what did you say? Juicy. Oh, the word is juicy, you know. Or you're going to even just think like that. I mean, come on, think about it. There's no way. I mean, some of you in this room, like, did you ever think that you would actually be affectionate for this book? I still remember days when I thought this was all so boring. Super boring. I was actually in that baptistry, in that baptismal hiding while the preacher was preaching. And I'd be giggling, like, hoping to, waiting and see how long I can stay in there until it's over. And then what happened? I heard this message of Christ. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What'd you say? I still do that? Oh, don't, oh yeah, that, yeah, don't do that, children. <laughs> but if you're thinking it, this message is for you, you know, <laughs> But no, yeah, it really is. This is a this 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 message of Christ, and 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 how He united uh, like us sinners with God through Christ. It really does. It changes everything. And by chapter eight, we're seeing this message flow through the land, and it's changing things. It's totally transform, literally transforming people's lives. And tonight we'll see the gospel transform. Samaria. It really is, man, a mystery. It is a mystery. So let's walk through verse, starting at verse 4. So we saw already from verse 1 to 3, the setting, there's great persecution. And Saul's heading it up. And now we're in verse 4. It says, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Let's sit there for a little bit. So we mentioned this already. You guys are right there. They're scattered right now. They're in a huge season of what? Suffering. Now this is mind-blowing because they're in a season of suffering. And what are they concerned about? What are they concerned with? What are they doing? What are they giving themselves to? They went about while they're in a season of pain, big pain. How much pain? They just saw a brother die, stoned to death. They're driven from their home, so they're homeless. They're being hunted. I don't think any of us know what that feels like. They're still trying to process the loss of family and friends. They have images of people being ripped from their homes. That's a lot to, to process, right? Wouldn't you think? Yet in the season of scattering, in the season of suffering, they're concerned with sending the gospel. To went about as they're going, as they're passing through, as they're journeying along. That's what they are consumed with. 
I don't know about you. That hurt hard for me this week. Because I get a little sniffle. I feel a little junky. And I don't want to, I'm not concerned about sharing the gospel with my neighbor. I'm concerned about getting a nap or just don't, I'm turning my phone off. I don't want to talk to nobody. Just a little bit of suffering. If you're like me, we have a, these, these people are clearly filled with the Holy Spirit, aren't they? I mean, if this were to happen to us, if we were in such dire circumstances, I mean, just imagining it, in the midst of such great loss and pain, I wonder what would be on our minds to do. Homeless, hunted, processing great loss, loved ones in prison. But what were they doing? Floored by these scattered saints. They're preaching the word. The word that they are being hunted for. What we don't see is them going and hiding. You see that? And they were scattered and they ran and hid. And they were scattered and they changed face. And they were, uh, you know, and they were scattered and no, they were scattered. And for the very word in which caused this persecution upon them, they kept sending it. That's powerful, guys. As long as they have breath, they're bringing it. Lord, have mercy on us, on me. Yeah, there's, that's a very real thing I shared with you. In my flesh, if I'm suffering, I'm not consumed and concerned with advancing the gospel. But in the spirit, you know, just a little while ago, some, some of you guys are asking me how my back's doing from January, my car accident. You know, in the spirit, in there's, there's those moments. I remember that day in January when I got into that pile up and I honestly was like, wow, life is that short. I could have been with Christ already. It was that quick, that fast. And I don't know, but that whole day I was consumed with sending it. The guy who picked me up to, to tow my truck, I just was compelled. Where you grew up, man? What's your, what's your name? And I, I was just concerned about his soul to the, to the car dealership, to my doctor, and talking into about just life and, and man and, and all this kind of stuff. And there was this burning sensation in my heart because I thought I could have been gone already. I could have been gone already with the Lord. Gone. And I thought to myself, I think by the power of the Holy Spirit, when he fills us, it does. He brings us to that sense of like, we need to send it. We've got to let it go. This place is not our home. And I think in the midst of this intense persecution and what they saw their brother Stephen do, there was, even those devout men who were burying him, in the life of the church, there was a spirit of God so, so much so that even if it wasn't the apostles out of Jerusalem, those believers were legit, and they were going, and when they went, they sent it. They were seriously concerned about souls. And so we ask ourselves tonight, where are we? How are we doing there? When it says they preached the word, I'm glad that Megan brought this up because it was. It's not, they weren't just posting little verses here and there, and, oh, I'm sending the word, you know, or just sending little scriptures here and there. No, they were speaking. This is the word. This is the apostles' teaching, the whole gospel. The word that they were sending was a word about a God who is the creator, who is holy, and whom we all will have to give an account. This is a word that was sending that, and we are all sinners against this Christ, this Jesus. We're all under his wrath. 
If you are in sin, if you are a sinner, you are at odds with your maker. This is the word they were sending. A word that says, but Christ came. He lived perfectly, sinlessly. He's righteous. So when he died and he rose, that meant something. And if you repent from your sins and you place your faith in him, turn and repent. Put your faith in Christ. You'll be saved. This is the word that they were sending. It really was real to them. They knew if I could die like Stephen, I could get lost. I, any moment now, yeah, I'm, I'm going through life right now and things are perplexing. Things are confusing. I don't know where I'm going to sleep tonight. I don't know what food I'm going to eat tonight. I don't know if I'm going to be hunted tonight. But they had this anointed realization of their day, their life, that it could very, in fact, be their last. So they needed to preach the word. Oh, this is how I want, I pray and hope that we ought to all live our lives. I mean, gosh, just I thought to myself today, was I even concerned about the people I was around? Because, you know, when we pray and we break from here every Wednesday, Sunday, we're scattering. He's sovereignly scattering us. Is it, in even, our, is it, is it even in our hearts to send it? We've got to be clear, though, that these saints, when they're scattered and they're preaching the word, they're preaching the gospel of Christ. Let me give you some scripture. Um, because in the New Testament, when you hear them say, preach the word, it is preach the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 2, it says, Now I want to remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you. So you see that? Verse 1, the gospel I preached. Verse 2, the word I preached. Ephesians 1, 13, it says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, you heard the gospel of your salvation. Colossians 1.5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. So when we read, it says, they went about preaching the word. They went about preaching the gospel. When we go about our days, we're just going about day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. What are we doing? <laughs> I had a question. I just thought to myself, you know, like, when we go about our days, do we even see people? Like, no, hear me. Like, do we see people? Like, do we see them? Let's turn here for a little bit. Go to Matthew chapter 9. Because I do believe Philip is very much ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, and he is totally doing what Christ did when he walked the earth. So let's go look at Jesus for a little bit and how when he went about, he preached the gospel. Matthew chapter 9. Let's look at a few verses. Go to verse 35. We're still talking about when they were scattered, they were sending it. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says, so Jesus went throughout, so he's going about. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the what? The gospel, the good news of the kingdom. And healing, I love that. His words came with deeds. Healing every disease. He didn't just send a message. He got his hands dirty. Healing every disease and every affliction 
very sounds like Philip, right? He's not just preaching. He's, he's also ministering. Verse 36, when he, big word, saw. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion. That's why when I say, do you, when you see people, when we see people, do we see people? He saw crowds and he had compassion. He was moved. It stirred his bowels. That's the word. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And this is what Philip was experiencing in Samaria. He saw people. That's been hitting me hard this week, so hard. Like, do I see my neighbors? Do you see your classmates? Your coworkers? Our family members at home? Do we see them? Do we see them the way that Christ saw them? And he was filled with compassion. And then it says this, verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers, laborers, what laborers? People who, he's a laborer, he proclaims the gospel, and he doesn't just say stuff, he does something, he gets his hands, he gets his, he gets his life involved, invested in their mess, He's filled with compassion. That's a laborer. That's a laborer. Not someone that's just going to preach at him. Not someone that's just going to heal. I'm bring you the good news. I'm going to do everything I can to help. And my heart is for you, man. I care about your soul a thousand years from now. That's the laborers that Jesus says, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. Send them. Send them. Do we believe there's more purpose for us being where we're at right now? More than just to make money. More than just to get a degree. More than just to catch some waves. More than just to shoot some hoops. More than just to get some food. Could there be more? Could there be more greater reason why your sovereign God is scattering you to those places? Philip was a laborer, and he was faithful to preach the word where he was sent. Go back to Acts. Preach the word. You know, some of us are doctors, some of us are teachers, some of us are construction workers, some of us are parents, we're classmates, we're food service. We're in all sorts of different places that we, we scatter from here. By God's grace, we are evangelists. We must send it. The question is if we believe that. And if we believe that God is that sovereign and that he's sending us. So do we see people as Christ saw people? So we move on. So they went about preaching the word, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. 
and when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. Now I have for this observation, I put, they preached Christ. They, Philip, Stephen, the apostles, they preached Christ in and out of season. When time seemed ripe or not. Why I say that is they were just where? Where were they preaching right before this? At Jerusalem. It didn't seem like it was in so season there, right? Well, the priests were not listening to them with all in one accord and like, oh, yeah, amen. No, they were actually getting persecuted and driven out. But they preached it. They were faithful to it. Um, and now they're in Samaria. And it seems like, not even seems like, it is in fact, this is season. In Samaria, God's softening hearts, this drawing people. Holy moly. You know, I wonder, uh, Second Second Timothy 4.2, he says, preach the word in and out of season. And, I mean, there's times where maybe for some of us who have been trying to share the gospel and sending it, you know, in these different areas that I was talking about, and there are days and moments it seems like nobody wants to hear anything you have to say about the word of God or Christ. And then I hope by God's grace you might come and counter with those seasons where, bro, it sounds like everyone's paying attention. <laughs> this is the word of God, and this is how it is, man. Jesus, when he's talking to Nicodemus in John 3 about conversion and regeneration, he's like, the spirit is like the wind. It comes and goes, but you have no control over the wind, just like you have no control over the regenerate heart. What you need to do, what they did, was they faithfully preached the message in and out of season. Let's look at Philip, and then let's look at Samaria. Philip, he was a, we saw him come up in chapter 6, right? He was serving food. He was serving, now he's serving spiritual food, right? He went from waiting on tables to being an evangelist. By the time we get to chapter 21, verse 8, he's actually known as Philip the Evangelist. The Lord was using Philip in Jerusalem to advance the kingdom as a waiter. Now Philip's in Samaria, and it's going to be by preaching. Now Samaria, let me read for you a little bit of research. So there's a lot of tension between Jews and Samaritans. They have a weighty, long history of rivalry and animosity. It goes back to 2 Kings 17 where uh, the ten tribes were carried into captivity into Assyria, and they ended up intermarrying. They ended up, um, eventually, it led to a mixture of religion. Samaritans were embracing the religion and the mixture of Judaism and idolatry. So that's why the Jews from the south, they kind of despised. They looked down upon. They even called them half-breeds, these Samaritans. And then later back, um, from the captivity, when they got back from captivity and they were trying to uh, rebuild the temple in Jerusalem in Ezra 4, the Samaritans, they even offered to help out. And they were told, nope, you have nothing to do with this. We, you are not us. We are so sad. So there's this long history of Samaritan Jews from there. Just, they're not eye to eye. There's, there's a lot of friction as to who's the legit Israelite, who's the legit chosen person, who, and, and where the places of worship are. So in short, when we read Philip went down to Samaria, there's a lot of bad blood between the Jews and Samaritans. They don't mix well. So this should be helpful too when we come across texts like in John 4, when Jesus says, he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field of, that Jacob had given to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. Jesus wearied from his journey. He was sitting by the well. It was, six, it was the sixth hour. And a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, oh, could you give me a drink? And then it says the disciples gone away into the city to buy food. But the, the Samaritan woman said to Jesus, 
how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman and a Samaritan? For it says the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So there, there's obviously this awkwardness, this tension, this real like, no, we don't mix. And Christ was already sowing the seeds in John 4. He said, I need to go through Samaria. And he ministers to this Samaritan woman. And you read later on, and he gets to talking about the kingdom of God, and she goes back to, to her town and tells, I've, heard, I've seen, I, he told me everything there is to know about me. Now, I'm just imagining from John 4 to here we are now with Philip, perhaps what's been happening. The seed was sown. And then here comes along Philip in Acts chapter 8 to see the harvest. It's so cool. Here's another reference, um, Luke 9, 51 to 56. Uh, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, talk about Jesus, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him, and who went, they entered the village of the Samaritans to make preparations. But the people did not receive him, and this is why, because they were on their way to Jerusalem. And they're like, nope, can't help you. You're going there, yeah, Jerusalem, the Jew, where the Jews are. Yeah, we don't, sorry. So there was already that animosity, that hostility. And then it says, verse 54, when the disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, what you like us to do? Call down fire from heaven and consume them. Because <laughs> they're like, we don't like them anyway. Let's, let's roast these Samaritans. And then Jesus takes them aside and rebukes them. Oh, my gosh, no, get, stop, just stop. <laughs> you clearly don't get it. You don't get the gospel yet. And they went on to another village. So when we read Philip went down to Samaria, I hope that helps a little bit to, to put a little bit more of a, it's like going to that person that you least expect to hear you out. They have a long history of just not associating with these people. I mean, Jesus broke ground earlier, but, and I think that's why it's so beautiful that Philip, when he's scattered, he goes to Samaria. You got people in your life like that right now? You just think, no way. Nah. They hate me. I hate them. You know, as we're studying through the book of Acts, that's one of the beautiful things about what the gospel does. It's not only transforming people. It's, it's uniting a bunch of enemies. <laughs> Remember when we were in chapter 2, if we took a picture of the church? The pews were filled with people where it's like, why are we even sitting next to each other? the power of the gospel transforming lives and cities uh-oh is right uh-oh here comes jesus here comes his message <laughs> people in places that you just think are so unlikely and no can and if you're honest in your flesh i wonder if philip even still had a lingering of flesh like oh really holy spirit samaria i don't like go samaria I mean, it doesn't say that. I'm just trying to imagine. Maybe he was so filled with the Spirit. Let's go, Samaria. <laughs> but I do think it would be good for us to pray. Because I'm sure there are people in our lives that maybe God is scattering and sending us to that maybe we've already written off. We think to ourselves, they, nah, nah. No, this gospel is for everyone. And it's going to break down the walls of hostility. 
and the church's pews will be filled with people that it makes no sense why they're sitting next to them, behind them, and in front of them. And the only reason that we can make sense of this is Christ, because we're all sinners saved by grace. It's beautiful. The power of the gospel is breaking through into this city. Lord, have mercy. Do that in our city, please. Give us faith and prompting that Philip had that we may go and we may send it. Because, guys, you know, we never know how God's going to move. I I don't know if Philip was expecting to get results when he went down there. I, I mean, sometimes, oftentimes, it seems like God, it's the most unlikely people and the most unlikely places that are the most responsive for some reason. I think that was it for my case. So, go back to Acts. Or maybe just me, go back to Acts. So they preached Christ in and out of season when it seemed ripe or not. Crowds with one accord started to pay attention. Such an amazing moment. Philip must have just been wigging out. Verse 7. Unclean spirits crying out with loud voices came out of many who had them. And many were paralyzed or lame, were healed. The gospel of Christ brought about spiritual cleansing and physical healing. I think Tiara was mentioning earlier about that, those loud shrieks and cries. Mark 1, 25 to 26, this is Jesus interacting with unclean spirits. He rebuked them saying, be silent, come out. And the unclean spirit convulsing him, crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. Mark 3, 11. Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, Christ, they fell down before him and cried out, You're the Son of God. Matthew 9, 25 to 26, when Jesus saw that the crowd came running, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out. Come out of him. Never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him, convulsing him terribly, it came out. See, when Christ, when the word of Christ goes in, the unclean comes out. This is what's happening in this city. It's crazy right now. It's epic. We hope and pray that the word of Christ, the gospel, would really invade and come into our church in such a way for those of us who gather, spiritual oppression where he were ministered to, physical things were ministered to. This gospel, it does, it ministers to us spiritually and physically. But remember that this is happening. Philip is being enabled to do these miraculous signs and wonders because it's validating the message of Christ that he's bringing. Verse 8, it finishes, and there was much joy in that city. It's the gospel of Christ that's bringing great joy to the city. I love that we talked about it earlier. Not Philip. It's the message he brought. It's the word of Christ. All these healings and cleansings of the spirit, you know, in that city, they're just but little glimpses and foretaste, guys, of the lasting eternal joy when we finally arrive at the celestial city, the the new city, the holy city. I want to see joy in our city. Lasting joy in Honolulu. How's that going to happen? We preach the word. We send Christ in and out of season. 
regardless of how this year is going to look or feel or what, whatever happens next, this is what the church gave themselves to. And when King Jesus returns and restores and reigns, oh, what joy will be in that city. And the question is, is are you headed there? Are you trusting in Christ alone this evening? As your righteousness and your confidence, have, have you really, have we really heeded the word of the apostles and Philip? Like seriously, ask yourself, are you ready? Are you ready for his coming? Are you longing for his return? Hebrews 13, verse 14, we're in the book of Hebrews on Sunday. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. Let me read from Revelation 21 in closing. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I've, I will give them the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, for the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, the liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. On that day, there will be great joy in that celestial city, guys. Will we be there? Samaria is tasting a glimpse of it. The only reason there's joy in the city is because Christ is being heralded there now. It's by this name that our names will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I don't know where your soul really is at tonight, but I plead with you, come to Christ. Call others to come to Christ as well. When we say amen and break from this place, we're going to be scattered. We're going to be sent. Are you going to send it? Do you have the message in you to send? Do you have a treasure in you? Lord, help us. I want joy in this city. We want joy in this city. That joy comes from Christ. I have some closing applications for us to just encourage us, and, and then we'll pray. This text really has ruined me this week. And I don't bring it confident as if I know how to be an evangelist. I'm just barely getting to the place of being so filled with compassion that I actually see people. So here's some things, because Philip was a great example of a personal evangelist or just an evangelist. I encourage you two ways. 
list names of people you regularly see. Just list names. Because those, those are the areas in your life that you're being scattered to sovereignly by God. You see people that I don't see regularly. I see people regularly that you don't. God sovereignly worked that out. He determined those times and places. Just list their names. Might be two people, might be 20. I don't know, just list them. And then I'm going to encourage you to do this. The first thing is to pray for compassion to care. That We saw that in Matthew 9. Just pray that. If the names are Henry, Harriet, and Hannah Ho, <laughs> just whatever those names, just list them. And, and you just say, God, I want to care about Harry. You know, I want, or Henry, or like, give me a heart for Harriet, please. I don't care about Hana Ho. You know, I just, I, I don't, I don't, Lord. I see them all the time, and I don't even, I'm not even concerned about them and who they are. Just pray for a heart. The, pray Matthew 9, like, Lord, I want to have compassion. Give me that compassion. Pray for a heart to care. And then the second thing is pray for the courage to share. That's it. Just pray for a heart to care, to care. Like, please, Lord, let me care. And then, God, give me the courage to share. You know, so whether it's neighbors, custodians at our church, family members, dog walkers, people you see at the gym regularly, normatively, just write them down. Pray for compassion to care and then pray for the courage to share. And what, what are we sharing, church? The gospel. Because that's the message that saves that's what's going to matter a thousand years from now. So, we'll close in prayer. And, you know, a lot of the things that we're trying to, the pastors and I, we're, we're praying through and wanting to see happen in our church with the classes and, you know, the Marks of the Healthy Church studies and small groups and all these things that, uh, all these things, it's all, it's all, its whole aim is to truly know the gospel of Christ. And to be certain, even in membership, it's to be certain that this faith that we have is true and that we know it. God saved us to send us. This is all going to finish soon. Nobody knows the day or the hour. God, make us a people who long for his appearing. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the word of God and how it truly does is, ex is it, it exposes our weaknesses. It shows us our wrong. And at the same time, it shows us our Savior. It shows us Christ. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And I'm with you. Lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So Spirit of Christ that was with Philip in Samaria, be with us here in Honolulu. And as we say amen, and we scatter from this place, help us to see people, Lord. Help us to care to have the heart of Christ, to have the eyes of Christ. And give us courage, Lord, to send it and to send it in full, whether in or out of season. We love you, Lord. Help us to do this together as a church.
Help us to proclaim this when we gather and when we scatter. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.